Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly, presented by Live Now. The transfer window has slammed shut and in a summer that has been absolutely bonkers, we take stock of which Premier League clubs have done the best business. And of course, we take a look back at some of the big matches in Game Week 3 of the Premier League, discuss key FPL conundrums, including Cristiano Ronaldo's 12.5 million FPL price tag. All this and more on the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly, presented by Live Now. Hello to all you Premier League fans, this is Raushan. And this is Deepan. And just like that, the roller coaster of a transfer window is finally over, Raushan. What a mad one this has been. I mean, Messi to PSG, that was a start. That whole Ronaldo homecoming after a crazy, crazy 48 hours. And even a bit of Mbappe drama in the last week of the window. Now we can finally say the men in suits can take a seat and lean back and it's time for the footballers to do the talking. About time football took centre stage, but I must say this transfer window has been like no other. I've enjoyed it so much. I mean, not just speaking as a Manchester United fan, just as a football fan, it's it feels like this is a long time coming. This nostalgia that we're having with this transfer window. For sure. And before we go into the transfers uh, on deadline day, I've got the trivia question for you. Bring this it week. on. Um, it's a transfer window special. Of course it is. Who are the biggest spenders ever uh, in Premier League history? Uh, who are they and when was this? Wow. Oh, I mean in one window, is in it? In one window, yes. Oh. Uh, Manchester. Before I complete my sentence, <laughs> am I correct? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't give you the answer. La. I must be correct then. Manchester City. And which year was this? Uh, wow, the year. Ah, the year. Ah, the, the number is going to be hard, but in my mind, it's the year Mark Hughes was their manager. So I'm going to, I can't recall what year. I'm just going to try 2009. Okay. I'll give you this one because the team is correct. It's Manchester City. Okay. Okay. Don't tell me the year. Give me till the end of the show. Okay, fine. Uh, but I'm going to give you a clue anyway. It's not Mark Hughes. Oh, mm. okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. And speaking of transfers in this week's Talk of the Town, we're going to run the rule over transfers in the Premier League. We are here now talking about the transfers in the Premier League. Alphabetically, they are the top, but in reality, they are the bottom. You know which thing I'm talking about? It's Banter FC. <laughs> <laughs> it's Arsenal FC. Um, you know, in terms of the transfers, actually, if you look at the uh, transfer spending this season, they are the biggest spenders. Uh, and, you know, when someone is the biggest spender, you would expect a flurry of incomings, exci uh, exciting signings to uh, keep fans interested in the team. But it seems to be the other way around where there are a lot of Arsenal fans who have become disinterested in the season. How have we got here, Roshan, with that much of spending? I don't know. That's a fantastic question. How have we got here? I mean, you've been kind enough to list the transfers for us and I'm just looking at some of the names yeah. here. I, I don't know what's going on with Arsenal. I mean, okay, they've bought youth or younger players and maybe I feel like Arsenal are almost looking to become that club where they want to buy them when they are young and sell them on for a profit. But they are still players who they look to address their issues with. Let's be honest here. Ben White, they needed help in defence. They got him. Then there's Takahiro Tomiyasu who came in right before the window closed. Again, addressing their deficiencies at the back. So that makes sense to me. I think that Two transfers cost 66 million in total, perhaps. But then Aaron Ramsdale, 24 million. Really, you're going to spend that much on a reserve keeper? 
I don't know. Something's wrong. Something's up. Yeah, just to get people up to speed, of course, on deadline day, Arsenal moved in for Takahiro Tomiyasu from Bologna. Uh, for £16 million. Pounds. Uh, and other signings that took place during this window was, of course, Nuno Tavares, a left-back from Benfica. Uh, Albert Sambi Lokonga from Who? Anderlecht. <laughs> He's a cent- central midfielder. Bro, don't need to get vulgar, bro. <laughs> Sambi Lokonga. And uh, Ben White from uh, Brighton for £50 million. Uh, Of course, the return of Martin Odegaard, £30 million from Real Madrid. And as you mentioned, Aaron Ramsdale from Sheffield United for £24 million. And of course, an important outgoing is, of course, Hector Bellerin, Mr. Vibes, I would say, who has Handsome left guy. Arsenal on loan to Real Betis. Look, uh, uh, just sorry, Deepan, just to jump in here. Mm. I mentioned this last week on the podcast as well. Arsenal don't have characters and it doesn't look like they've addressed that issue with any of these signings here. Nobody in that list of players you just mentioned stand out as leaders for me. And who's going to take charge of that issue for Arsenal? I don't know. Uh, Caleb Chambers seen him with armband holding yes but they are not leaders and that's what Arsenal severely lack and we'll get to their performance at the weekend later on but I don't think they've addressed their issue but I guess on the positive side if there is a positive side at least with the signings there's no pressure on Mikel Arteta because he has it's not like anybody can turn around and say oh you bought that guy you bought that guy there is a manager in the Premier League who has that label on him at the moment, but Arteta's not one of them and that might work in Arsenal's favour. No, but I, I think at the end of the day, if you're spending that much of money and if you're the biggest spenders in a crazy transfer window, and then I think you've got pressure straight on, uh, especially when you lose three straight games in the Premier League, score zero goals, I think the pressure is on you right away and that might not help Arteta in the case. Um, I think we will speak more about Arsenal in a special episode uh, next week. Uh, I hope you're looking forward to that because we certainly are, Roshan, certainly for, for specific reasons that you will find out soon enough. Uh, but I just want to zoom in on Tomiyasu for a bit because I saw some stats um, after his signing. I went to dig up a bit of stats and and primarily, I think because on my Twitter timeline, I follow a lot of uh, Asian football insiders. Um, they seem to be quite upbeat about the signing because they rate Tomiyasu quite highly. Uh, and that's fine. But um, I, I looked at the stats here because he seems to have been bought to, to play right back um, and actually, his attacking stats do not stand out at all. Um, in terms of his successful dribbling percentage from Serie A last season, it was at 60%. His shots on target rate is only at 36%. Um, so I think he adds defensive solidity to Arsenal, but not so much going forward. And I'm not sure whether that's the right move because at centre-back, you already have Ben White that you bought. You bought Gabriel just last season. You've got Holding, who's not too bad a defender. So I'm not quite sure what these signings prove. Uh, but on paper, they seem to be an upgrade over what they had previously because they had Cedric at right back, right? And uh, Klasinac as well. Yeah, Klasinac yeah, yeah. at left back. So in terms of fullback options, maybe this boosts uh, their options. I, I'm not quite sure. But again, we'll, we'll talk more about Arsenal next week. Let's move on now to another club in Lan- London. That's, of course, Chelsea. Um, on paper, it's just three signings that, that they've made. It's, of course, Marcus Bertinelli, a goalkeeper free from Fulham. See, that makes sense. You sign your reserve goalkeeper for free, for free or for lesser fee. Yep. Not for... Fucking 24 yeah, million. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Romelu Lukaku for 97.5 million. I think this is euros. I think in pounds is, is probably higher uh, from Inter Milan. And Saul Niguez from Atletico Madrid Good on loan. Um, you know, I, I was thinking that he was going to go to, to Manchester United at some point because uh, he's been linked with us. These United fans already get Ronaldo, <laughs> one Saul, some more. No, but I, I mean, I, I thought he would go to, to Manchester United, but I think Chelsea, it's a luxury signing for them, even though it's a loan signing, because Chelsea, look at the middle of the park. They've got Kante, they've got Jorginho, uh, Kovacic, all really, really good players. And, you know, even Mason Mount can play in central midfield if required. 
So to me, it's a bit of a premium signing. I'm not quite sure whether that's what they needed. And I think a disappointment for them would have been the fact that Hulz Kunde didn't come through in the end. But do you think they have sufficient options at the back for them? Because what a performance uh, against uh, Liverpool at the back. Uh, we will get to that later as well. But do you think they have sufficient options now? Now that you mentioned Kunde didn't come along, they might be an issue because they let Zuma go. So yes, maybe correct. that might be an issue for them. But overall, I think Chelsea are well stacked. I think Saul Niguez, I, I don't I don't agree that he might be a premium option. He's he's with Kante's injury woes. I think Saul Niguez might have a bigger part than we think to play this season. And again, Chelsea are looking to compete on more than one front, and that's why they are padding up the squad the way they 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 are doing. And I think that's why they will be well well oiled to take on the season with the players they have. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm not saying that Saul Niguez will be a bad signing anyway. I think he's a, a terrific player. I've seen him for Atletico Madrid, and that's why I wanted him at United. Uh, but I think Chelsea have got really, really good options. Uh, and they got a good manager as well. And good I, manager I, I have well. to give that to them. I think Tuchel, I feel like Tuchel knows what he, he wants, wants yep. and he's being backed. And he should be backed because he delivered the European trophy. So when you do that, then you earn yourself some credibility, right? And he's using it to good measure to try and get the players that he wants to work to his system. And I have massive respect for that. For sure. Uh, let's move on now to the Mersey side, uh, Liverpool. Uh, of Why course, your list don't have all the contract extensions, bro? <laughs> <laughs> they got because, plenty. Because that's what they were pointing to as new signings, yeah? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But in terms of official new signings, it's of course Ibrahima Konate from uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Look, it's a joke, I know. I know we talked about this, the fact that they have, you know, given out new contracts to, to players. I think uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is one of them. Uh, Jordan Henderson is one of them. Look, I think it's not good enough for, for a club like Liverpool. And this is with all due respect for the stature that they they have. Um, given the fact that they didn't didn't quite do well last season in terms of where they wanted to be after winning the title, and that's down to injuries, right? So what do you do when, when you have suffered a season like that? Yes, you welcome back those that were injured, but at the same time, you reinforce the squad as best as you can. I think we saw against Chelsea that at the end of the day, their attack is as only, only as good as what's on the pitch. Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane. No, z- not zero options on the bench, but very little options no, okay. on who, the bench. So who are these options that you talk about? I guess Minamino. He, he's not an option. If, if you think of him as an option, then I think... I mean, Jurgen Klopp certainly doesn't think of him as an option because he didn't come on. Mm, yeah, so clearly, I take your point completely. I completely agree with you that they don't have options. But on paper, maybe the board thinks they do and that's going to be a problem. Because yeah. it's only going to get worse come January when the key players, Salah, Mane, move on, not move on, go away for the FCON. And who knows what will happen with the pandemic and how long they'll be in quarantine for. Yep. Then they're going to miss their key players for a chunk of the season. And that's the most shocking aspect for me. Last season, they let go of... Uh, who's the centre-back they let go of? Uh, was it Dian Lovren? They let Dian yes, Lovren right, go Lovren. and then there was the injury, unprecedented injury mm-hmm. at the back yep. and then they were struggling for the rest of the season. This season, they let go of Shakiri, who was competition for attack. Yep. They've let him go. They haven't replaced. Jorginho with Naldum. Yeah, Jorginho mm-hmm. with Naldum as well. They've let players go. I think, okay, to Naldum's point, I think they are giving out contract extensions like Christmas cards because <laughs> they are afraid of what is going to happen if a player doesn't eventually sign a contract. Yeah, for sure. And then lose a player for free. I mean, Let's be honest here, I don't think Hendo will leave for free, but there are other players who might... I mean, the likes of PSG and all us, I mean, we'll, we can 
talk about how PSG are just their transfer market is all about free transfers, right? So there are clubs who will be eyeing that market as well. Yep. So I think Liverpool are protecting themselves against that by giving out contract extension, and it's understandable. But what is not understandable for me is spending just 36 million on a defender when essentially your best defender has come back now. So yep. is that really the area you needed padding? No. I yep. mean, me and you but are sitting all the way in Singapore realizing attack is where the problem is. Plenty of Liverpool fans on Twitter are saying, why, why the hell haven't they reinforced their attack? That's my question. Why? Why not? Yeah, I, I think the only, I would say, positive has been the fact that Harvey Elliott has come in uh, to the first team setup and, and has looked good. Uh, even against uh, a team like Chelsea, I thought he was quite positive. Uh, maybe that could be the, the so-called replacement for Wijnaldum in midfield. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but in terms of the attack, I think that's a major, major worry. But let's see how the season pans out for Liverpool. Let's move along now to Manchester City. Uh, like Liverpool, they only had one real signing. Except for it costs three times more. La. Yes, correct. <laughs> and that's Jack Grealish. A hundred million signing from Aston Villa. That guy is uh, so handsome, bro. Just now who I call handsome? Huh? Me lah. No, la. <laughs> definitely so not. So as you. in I'm not handsome or? <laughs> no, no, you are. You uh, are. Thanks. You are. But speaking of handsome, I, uh, in terms of uh, the signings that they made, I think, yes, Jack has been, Jack like my friend, huh? Jack <laughs> Grealish has been, a, has been a good signing, but I think the blight on the transfer window is the fact that they did not get the striker that they needed. Yeah. Because I think we had this conversation a few weeks back and you told me that, uh, no, you, you definitely see Harry Kane joining them. Uh, that move did not transpire. But I think with the way they've started this season, uh, yes, forget the first game, I think they were not quite ready there. But Ferran Torres has filled in remarkably. Uh, I think you talked about it uh, earlier as well. Ryan Sterling can fill in in that role. Uh, it's similar to last season where they did survive in some sense mm. without a striker. Mm. And right now, even with Jesus starting, he's been more on the right wing position so it seems like Pep knows what he wants Pep knows that you know we don't really need a striker if it's not going to be Harry Kane I don't need a striker yep. is that a fair strategy to have? I think it's testament to Pep Guardiola as a coach that he's made Ferran Torres look very decent in a striking position and I think it's also fair to say that Man City have various options purely because of the structure and the way Guardiola likes them to play having said that I think not having an out and out number 9 will come back to haunt them. In fact, last week when we spoke about Harry Kane committing his future to Spurs, I was fairly confident that they would go out and sign a striker. Regardless of who it be, they would sign a focal point striker. Eventually, they didn't. And I think it will come back to haunt them because right now, City look in a good way because in the past two games, they've scored 10 goals. And they look and they've kept two clean sheets as well and they look good. But I think there are bigger obstacles and challenges to come. And... Last season in the Champions League final, they played without a striker. They eventually got caught out. Uh, a, a striker as in an out-and-out striker, yeah, they got yeah. caught out 1-0. This season, start, they've got two games, two wins, but the first game of the season against one of the bigger clubs, Spurs, they lost. Mm -hmm. So I think not having a striker works against smaller clubs. Sorry, Arsenal fans. But I think it's going to be difficult when you come up against a good manager who is going to tactically show you out. And I think Guardiola has been proven to be capable of being shown out by a few managers already. And mm -hmm. I think that's where City's biggest worry will lie. Because I think they are a team who can steamroll the best purely because of the the, the players that they have. And you add Jack Grealish in the mix. I bet if I get Guardiola on a night out and I get him drunk and ask him, bro, you rather spend 100 million on Jack or 100 million on Harry? Mm -hmm. He will tell me Harry, bro. Yeah. Harry Kane, for, by the way. Mm -hmm. I saw like friend, friend Harry, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I see Dipendu, I saw Andu. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I really think... In hindsight, they would have much rather got Harry Kane for the money. I mean, if they had 100 million, they could have eventually given Daniel Levy whatever price he wants. What? And possibly get Messi on the free. 
You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, completely so, agree. I, I think Jack Relish, to your point, is a premium signing. It, I'm happy for him, Jack Relish, because he's a good player. He deserves to be at a club like Man City, mm-hmm. competing for the very best trophies. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, City have left themselves fairly blunt at the top without signing a striker. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree with all your points. Um, let's move along to the red side of Manchester. Uh, smile on Raushan's face, of course. Is Manchester United signings. Um, I think when you look at it at the start of the window, or rather just look at the game uh, against Villarreal after we lost that game, uh, we wouldn't have expected this kind of activity uh, at Old Trafford. Uh, just to fill people in, uh, if you're living under the rock, is Tom Heaton came in for free from Aston Villa. See, another goalkeeper signed for free. I don't understand. Yep, and uh, Jaden Sancho arrived from Borussia Dortmund at 73 million. Rafael Varane for 41 million. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo from Juventus, of course, the major, major... Ooh. <laughs> As David said in the post-match. <laughs> yes. Uh, who is what the defenders will be asking pretty soon. Uh, but in terms of the window, look, I know we can be happy and I know we are still buzzing from Ronaldo's transfer. We've yet to see him come into uh, the first team picture yet. But look, I- I'm going to be a bit different. I-, I know you might disagree with me. It's a disappointing transfer window for me. Because... Shabby Singh, is that you? <laughs> What's going on here? No, look, I think when you look at us last season and even in these few games uh, against Wolves um, and of course the, the the games last season towards the tail end of the season, we realised that McFred wasn't the answer. We knew that the major problem we had in our team was central midfield. And people might say, no, uh, it's defence that was a problem or we didn't have a, a, a true leader in attack. But I disagree because I thought that Lindelof is decent enough. He's not a, the greatest defender. He's no Rafael Varane, but he was decent enough. I think the major, major problem was in central midfield. Look, now when I look at Manchester United, you know what they resemble? A donut. Because all the goodness is around it, but in the midfield, in the middle is Lobang. Wow. But I eat my donuts from Jayco and usually <laughs> the centre is stuffed. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the Krispy Kreme okay, donuts. Okay, yeah, okay. So, in terms of the environment around the, the middle, it's Got glazed. Me hungry, bro. It's glazed. <laughs> okay. You know, and Ronaldo uh, was the final uh, glazing, uh, I would say. Uh, 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 by the, the glazers. glazers. <laughs> oh, very good. But in terms of the midfield, it's a big, big worry. And you okay, look at agree. The, the Wolves game, I think we'll talk about it later. Uh, there's a screenshot uh, going around on, on Twitter where you could see Rafael Varane and Maguire defending against Adama Traore and uh, uh, Raul Jimenez. That cannot happen in a Premier League game. And we should have learned our lessons last season. Why Fred went for a kopi? What's going on? I mean, Fred might as well have gone for a kopi in <laughs> and donut. the game. <laughs> and a donut in the game. So to me, I think the, the worries are there. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you think. Do you think the Ronaldo signing has uh, made it seem like United have a good window? I think the Ronaldo signing has certainly papered over the cracks. And I, I, I can see your point about the midfield, but I'm going to take a slightly different approach where I think, I don't think... I think the ins have been good. My worry is the outs. I feel like Daniel James isn't the player we should have let go. In fact, Tony Martial should have been the player we let we should have let go. And there are also other players like, what are they still doing in the squad? That's my question. Yes, the recruitment team have done well to secure... Uh, uh, Sancho and Varane were always first choice. Ronaldo was a byproduct of him wanting to leave and mm-hmm. where else would he go? Come back home, Ronnie. Tom Heaton is just Tom Heaton's squad player, right? Mm-hmm. But... Why are they not clearing out some more Deadwood, so to speak? Phil Jones, is he ever going to get a game? I don't understand. Like, why Why are we keeping these players? That's where I think... And, and that's why I say we are stacked elsewhere. Like, in central defence now, do you remember this guy by the name of Eric Bailly? 
Oh yes. Yes, Eric Bailly, Phil yeah. Jones, yeah. Lindelof. I forgot about Eric Bailly completely. Yeah. So, w- what is their role this season? I huh? mean, maybe Eric Bailly will turn out to be the defensive midfielder the world needed. Jesus. Who knows? But I, I completely agree to your point where we are going to be left vulnerable at the back unless, unless, unless they, they change the, form, the, the position of some player. Uh, random reports I read online say Juan Mata going to play number six. Does he have the legs for it? I don't think so. Lindelof going to play number six. Strike centre back already here a bit shaky. Hmm. Suddenly you want to put him number six, and we saw that Paul Pogba cannot play in centre midfield. So there's going to be, you know, earlier I said about Arsenal and there being no pressure on the manager because at the end of the day they don't have any marquee signings. With Manchester United, it's completely opposite. Where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if he wasn't already feeling the pressure as Manchester United manager, is gonna feel it like fuck now. Hmm. Everybody is going to be on his case. As it is, we United lose one game, they end up saying. Uh, the the naysayers are out, right? Right now, with how they've backed him in the window, people are going to every opportunity shit on him, basically. For sure. Yeah, for sure, already yeah. there are co- there are people calling him the Norwegian PE teacher, right? And <laughs> I mean that's a bit harsh. Yeah. But if the results don't turn out his way, then it's going to be very difficult. And he's such a nice guy that you don't want it to happen to him. He, I support Manchester United, and I am very much Team Ole, but I just worry for the pressure he is under. And yes, Sir Alex lurks in the background. He will always be Sir Alex's pupil. But at the end of the day, if the results are not coming along, if United don't get fall to fall too far behind, his head is on the block. It's not like they're gonna release the players they've signed. Mm-hmm. That's not how football works, and we know how fickle football can be. So to answer your question, I think Manchester United have done well bringing players in. I don't think they've done well bringing players out, and I think the manager is under huge, huge, huge pressure. Well said, Roshan. Uh, let's move on now to other key deadline deals to talk about. Uh, of course, Spurs signed Emerson Royale, uh, a right back. And of course, they His released... His name handsome, bro. Royale. Wow. Royale. Cool, uh. Uh. And they've, of course, released Serge Aurea. So I think uh, lots of Spurs fans will be happy about that. Uh, other signings are Otson Edward from Celtic to Crystal Palace. This was a guy, I remember, that was linked to Arsenal, Brighton. So perhaps a good forward signing for, for Crystal Palace. Linked to Arsenal, he chose Palace, huh? <laughs> Maybe Arsenal just didn't make a beat. We'll never know. But uh, Alex Kral, uh joining the Czech Republic contingent mm. at West Ham. He's uh, joining on loan from Spartak Moscow. Agent Kufal and Agent Sushek. Uh. Yes, correct. Uh, and of course, Mark, I would say this, Chuchurella from, <laughs> Chuchurella, from Getafe. Uh, this, this is one signing I want to talk about because uh, I watched him a few times in the La Liga and he's an attacking winger usually. Uh, he has played left-back a few times, but I know the way Brighton play is a three-man backline with a very attacking wing-back. And I think in the last couple of games, they have tried to put in uh, Pascal Gross and, and, and Jacob Mulder there who are not left wing-backs by nature. So I think Chujurela fits in there. But the big thing is on FPL, he's listed as a defender. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think he comes in at about 5 million, not too pricey. Not bad. Uh, and Brighton are not the, 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 the best of teams I know. Yeah. But I think if you have a wing back in a team like that who, mm. are, who are good at attacking, I think you might go for, for, for him in your, in your FPL. Yeah. Uh, and last and, and, and foremost is, of course, Nikola Vlasic from CSK Moscow, who of course was in the Premier League previously with Everton, but he came at a time where Sam Allardyce was a coach. Oh, I was he, wondering why this guy yeah, is so familiar. They didn't quite get uh, game time, but I think he's like a sort of like a replacement for, for Jesse Lingard in the sense that they couldn't sign him. Okay. Um, yeah. But my question would be, you know, would he be a worry for Ben Rama owners because he plays in an attacking midfield role uh, he can play off the left as well. So does this mean that Ben Rama and him will share the role or, or does it bring into question Pablo Fornal's future at mm. West Ham? I, I think, think David Moyes knows his best 11 though. 
I think I really think David Moyes does know his best eleven. Maybe as the season wears on, then other players might come into the mix. But for now, immediate. I mean, I own Ben Rama, so I'm telling myself this. I just feel Ben Rama will will have his position down for now, perhaps. Yep. Uh, and right, that's it for the talk of the town for this week. Let's now review the matches from game week three, shall we? Do remember that for the forthcoming campaign, Live Now will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for soccer fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And in game week three, the Live Now featured match was, of course, Wolves versus Manchester United, which ended in a 1-0 win for the away side. Not a very well-deserved three points for Manchester United, but on the positive side, winning when you're not playing well is a strength too. Right, Deepan? Uh, I agree. Uh, but I think if you look at the match and, and you know, don't analyse the result, but analyse the performance, uh, I think it was a big, big worry because um, like we talked about earlier, I think it showed how awful our midfield can be. Um, but definitely, I think certain things were forced, right? Because McTominay was out injured. Uh, I have my own reservations about McTominay, but I think he does a good job defensively because he has the legs to do that. Um, he's a purely a defensive player. Um, and I think we missed him in the game. But I think that again, the fact that I'm saying we missed McTominay goes to show you the problems we have at Manchester United in midfield. But I want to move away from United for because I believe we've talked quite a bit about them. But again, and I'm saying this for the second time in a in a in a row, Wolves were fantastic. Uh Trinkau and Adama Traore. Um why well, I would hate to be Fred in that game. He got torn apart by Adama Traore. Um, Kuya, bro. <laughs> but going forward, I think this could be the season where Wolves actually uh, become a force to be reckoned with because I think uh, we shouldn't be be afraid to analyse performances sometimes over results uh, and I think in terms of performances yes they've lost the last two games 1-0 but they were the better team against Spurs they were the better team against Manchester United whether they can last the distance I'm not quite sure I think uh, Huang Hee-chan has come in from, from Leipzig he might be a, a force to be reckoned with up front with uh, Raul Jimenez but in terms of these wide options they have and not to, to forget they've got Pedro Neto yeah well, yeah. who was, of course, one of the better players for them last season. So I think lots of things to look forward to for Wolves, in, even in terms of a FPL perspective. Definitely. I think they have lost three games in the Premier League, conceded goals, not scored any, but there's plenty of positives in terms of the performances. What I, I think eventually the win will come and then it'll become a habit. Right now, they just can't catch a break. Look, Manchester United were bloody lucky not to concede the goal, the first goal in that game. Somehow, one Bisaka pulled off a masterclass of a last-ditch challenge to deny them. But overall, I think Wolves, to your point, have have good options on the on the wings. And if they add just a striker who can score their goals, and I strongly believe Hee-chan might be that man because he's, he's proven that he can score goals in other league. It'll be interesting to see if he can do it in the Premier League. But I think under Bruno, I think Wolves will be okay this year. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree with you. Uh, the next game, of course, is Liverpool 1, what Chelsea 1. Was, yeah. Of course, this game saw the Blues being pretty much the better side and holding a 1-0 lead before a Riz James handball saw him sent off as well as the Reds being awarded a penalty. Uh, and then, of course, we saw a second-half domination by Liverpool, but they couldn't quite master all three points. Who comes away from this game with a wider smile? Um, Klopp or Tuchel? 100% Tuchel. Has to be Thomas Tuchel because I think Thomas Tuchel put in a masterclass in management. The circumstances of the red card was was so entertaining to watch as a neutral, purely because of the drama, the players were surrounding the referee. Correct decision, had to be a red card. You, you think so, right? I, th- I 100%. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure why the debate even yeah. started because people were saying, oh, it shouldn't have been a red card. Yeah. But the very fact that he was handling a ball, whether 
it was denying a, a clear goal scoring opportunity, clear, right? And, yeah. and by the book, it has to be a red card, right? I, again, I don't even know why that is up for debate. I mean, I guess in the Twitterverse that we live in, anything can be up for debate and that's why it was questioned. But to your point, no, rule book simple. says... If he wasn't there and yeah. if his hand hadn't stopped, it would have been a goal. And his hand did move in a very obvious direction to deny the ball. So clearly it was a red card. But what I want to touch on is how Chelsea responded to that red card. And at halftime, N'Golo Kante limped off as well. So they made a change in midfield as well. Look, we saw two teams go down to 10 men on the same Saturday. Arsenal went down to 10 men and capitulated against Manchester City. Went on to lose 5-0. Chelsea went down to 10 men. The score was 1-1. They ended the game 1-1 because they defended as a unit. They defended as an absolute team and every player knew their shift. Even Romelu Lukaku, who was isolated throughout the game, could have won it right at the death. I think he had one chance. Yes, where correct. Kovacic played him through and then somehow he didn't. it didn't come off. Hmm. But... You could tell from the celebrations at full time that they played to get that one-all draw and they got it. And I don't think Anfield is an easy place to go to with 11 players, let alone with 10 men. And I thought Chelsea put in a masterclass in game management to come away with the result. Perfect. Um, in match day three, other results, of course, like you mentioned, Manchester City running out five nil winners over Arsenal. Newcastle and Southampton played to a two-all draw. Everton continued a winning ways with a away 2 nil win over Brighton. West Ham, a bit disappointing, you know, drew 2-2 to Crystal Palace at home. Norwich City going down 2-1 to Leicester City. Aston Villa and Brentford played a 1-1 draw where Ivan Tony got off, uh, on, got on the score as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Burnley and Leeds, 1-1. I expected Leeds to win this, but uh, a 1-1 draw for them. Uh, Tottenham, of course, running out 1-0 winners Champion. over, over Watford. <laughs> uh, of course, they're at the top at the moment. Whether they last there, it remains to be seen. But I want to move along now to other aspects of the Premier League and that is of course the Fantasy Premier League. Are you sure you want to do this? I knew this was coming. Uh, your crown put down already, not? <laughs> the, the your crown, crown you throw away together with your wild card. I told you not to use your wild card. Look, I want to defend my wild card choice. Sir. Uh, you so, can try. So I, You're defending. I, look, in terms of... Okay, I just want to uh, make it clear. So in, in this past week of FPL, I captained... Sir Harry Kane, mm. uh, who of course uh, was very disappointing, and uh, I captain Bruno, so I'm not going to say much. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, you captain Bruno, yeah. yeah. But in terms of my wild card, the reason I did it is because and I took out Bruno, I took out Mo Salah, and look, people Brave. will say, people will say, oh, but Salah scored and he got three maximum bonus points, but it was a penalty. Uh, I didn't feel like he was that great because I'm actually waiting to put in Jota uh, when Liverpool's fixtures get greater, which is. The next game week against Leeds. But in o- terms OP player, bro. I love them. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I really do. No, no, no. Not joking. I really... That 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 phrase has caught on and will stick with me for the rest of the season. The impact that uh, I make. Uh. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> the impact that Jota hopefully will make. No, but uh, in terms of Hurricane, the reason I did that is because I think that he will come into form definitely. Um, But also, what this gives me as well is I can swap out Hurricane and bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I can swap out Romelu Lukaku and bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. So, this is the flexibility that I have by using my wildcard. And look, I am quite sure 70% of the FPL verse are going to be using the wildcard soon to bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep, yep. Because he is a must-have, which brings me to my next point. His price tag was, of course, revealed earlier this week. He's at 12.5 million Um I know it's a hefty price to pay, but it's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's he's going to start games for Manchester United. He's going to be in the box. Yeah, he didn't come to warm the bench. Yeah, for sure. And, and he's going to be in and around the box because that's Cristiano Ronaldo of the modern day era. 
so to me, I think people will be clamoring all over to get Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sure you are looking at a plan to get him in as well. I used my wildcard already, bro, but I need to formulate a plan. You need to do a pep, lah. <laughs> uh, a bit of jig- uh, rejigging <laughs> here and there. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of Ronaldo, I think he's a must-have. Uh, I will definitely be getting him. But whether it's in for in time for game week four against Newcastle, uh, a bit of a risk. I think we'll discuss more about that. Um, Here's the question. You know this whole Ronaldo move, the whole romance of it all. Do you think there's one final chapter in this romance where he's going to come on on his debut, do something magical, score a hat-trick, and then just... That's the final chapter of this of this return? Or you think it's done already? Should I... Basically, what I'm asking you is, should I captain Ronaldo for Newcastle? This fellow, uh. <laughs> King, <laughs> no, but, you're the king, what? No, but you see, I think that is a fair point. Uh, Ronaldo, even if he starts on the bench... Can come on and no score a chance goal. Ronaldo will start on the bench. No, I mean, you look at the fact that Edison Cavani came yeah. off the bench in the last game. I think he surely starts here. Mm. There is no way to me, and I might be proven wrong, that Ronaldo starts in this game. I think he will come off the bench. But look, if you are looking to captain Cristiano Ronaldo for the whole romantic element, think about this. Mason Greenwood is in goal-scoring form. And this is a Newcastle side there for the taking. Old Trafford is going to be buzzing. Are you trying to tell me that for the first 45 minutes, Mason Greenwood is going to fire blanks? I don't think so. I think Mason Greenwood is a sure choice for captain. Or if you have Bruno, why not Bruno? Or if you have Pogba, one of these players who is definitely going to start. I think Mason starts here, so I will probably put a captain armband on him. Wow. Yeah, so in terms of Ronaldo, I think I'll wait one more week before I bring him in. Uh, in terms of FPL, no, just before we end off the show, I just want to alert FPL users out there that of nice course, guy deepen. Of course, the king has to be, you know, very generous. <laughs> I uh, thought crown sudah jatuh. <laughs> some people don't need the crown. Oh. Look at Kevin Prince Boteng. <laughs> Does he have a crown? But in terms of Buendia and Emi Martinez, these two players are of course going away on international break uh, for Argentina uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, I believe. And I think there are a couple of other players out there as well. I think Spurs have Lo Celso and Christian Romero uh, going off as well. So, these players are likely to miss games because of the whole COVID quarantine. So, Aston Villa have basically announced that Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia will miss the Chelsea game in game week four. Mm. And to me, this will alert all owners of Romelu Lukaku, including yours truly. Yep. With no Emi Martinez there, mm. it's going to be, I believe, Jet Steer in goal for who? Aston Villa. <laughs> exactly. And not Jet- the David. <laughs> the yeah, kind of who. Really who? Yeah, who? Jet Steer. And I think... Romelu Luk- and this is a home game. Yeah. Uh, I think Romelu Lukaku can thrive. So again, I think he's a good captaincy choice as well if you have Lukaku. If you have both Lukaku and... So Aston Villa told you they were going to do this. That's why you used your wildcard last week. No, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> Lukaku was there uh, for the, for okay. the upcoming fixtures. Okay, I thought you clairvoyant until like that, bro. <sighs> One bad week and this fella <laughs> doubting me all over the place. Okay, okay. Before we go, trivia. Oh, yes. 2011. Is that your final answer? Yes. Unfortunately, that's wrong. It's 2017 where Pep Guardiola's Manchester City spent 223 million. Uh, And this included the purchases of Bernardo Silva for 43 million. Oh, so recent, huh? Edison for 34.7 million. Kyle Walker for 50 million. Our very, very good friend in the news, Benjamin Mendy, for 52 million. Naughty fella. And uh, Danilo for 26.5 million, who is, of course, left the club. Oh, he liked fullbacks, but Pep Guardiola. Yeah, and this was a season where he spent so much because the previous season was his first season. He ended it trophyless. Oh, yes. Uh, so this was the spending that he did, and they, of course, won the, the league that year. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to the Final Whistle Premier League Weekly. 
uh, had a ball of a time. I'm looking forward to the Premier League resuming. Uh, but just take notice that we are having a very, very special episode in the next one, uh, focusing on Arsenal. Do tune in for that one. Can't wait for that one. See you all soon. Thank you.